Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, we're in Acts chapter 15. The book of Acts, chapter 15. Again, if you're new or visiting, we pray that you have a Bible. If you don't, um, send a request to, to the office at ccfqc.org, office at ccfqc.org, and we'll send you a Bible. Uh, the Word of God is the most important things in these days as we see um, history kind of wrapping up. And uh, you'll see that as you read your Bible. These are very exciting days, very traumatic days in many ways. But also very exciting days because Jesus is coming back, guys. Jesus is coming back. And so we want to keep looking up. Well, let's pick up our text in Acts chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 36. Verse 36. You see, we left off our last study seeing the church in Antioch receiving a letter from the brethren in Jerusalem. And it was all about their new faith commitment, their new faith commitment. We're believers. What does that mean? What does that look like? Four basics that will continue to be defined as the New Testament letters are written. Again, remember at this point in time, the New Testament has not been written yet. And so those four basic things. But the bottom line was that you're saved by faith alone and not by any work that a person might try to do. And so if you're tuning in and you're a religious person and you're trying to work your way to heaven... I just want to let you know right now, it will never work. You will not get to heaven by your own works, no matter how good you think you are. It needs to, you need to have a relationship. Just like Abraham, the father of the faith, had a relationship with God, and via that relationship, he was declared righteous. Hundreds of years before the law, before he was circumcised, he was declared righteous by faith alone. And that's very important for you and me today. For us today, we would say, that's really good news. That's really good news. And that's what we're reading. We're reading the good news. Gospel means good news. We're reading the good news that we can be set free from sin. Even as we sang that first song, theology. theology. We sang theology. And so I know you're at home, and it might be a little uncomfortable. But as you're at home... Look at the words and sing along. And yes, it's uncomfortable, but sing along and think about those words that you're singing theology. There's a reason why we have music. It's not filler time. It's not so that we can have a bunch of great musicians show off their talents. No, they have talents, but they're ushering us to the throne room of God. They don't even want to be seen up here. They're just doing their part in the body of Christ of taking us to the throne of God. And so I encourage you to do that, to give God the praise and adoration he deserves. So our text in verse 36, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit the brethren, our brethren, in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them from Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas 
and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Then he came to Derby and Lystra and said, and be, I'm sorry, then he came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Father, we thank you for this morning again. And Lord, we just continue in our worship as our lives should be lives of worship 24-7, wherever we might be. I know oftentimes, Father, we think of worship as a song. For you, it's our lives. And so we come to re-surrender our hearts to you to worship you through your word, your love letter written to mankind. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching and that through your Holy Spirit, our hearts would continue to be transformed. We don't need another Bible study. We need heart transformation. So touch our hearts, Father, that you will be glorified this day through your word and that we might go out and be those faithful ambassadors using your word, for faith comes by hearing to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's go over our verses verse by verse. If you're not familiar, we we pick a book of the Bible and we go verse by verse. So, uh, on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Acts, and on Wednesday nights, we're going through, Pastor Durrell's going through the book of Mark. So, verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. Notice that they preached the word of the Lord. They didn't preach religion, they preached the gospel, the good news, and see how they are doing. Now, we don't know exactly how long this season was between missions, but it's estimated to be three to five years have elapsed, and it's probably the early 50s, the original 50s. I believe that the Holy Spirit gave Paul a desire to revisit those cities in which they had been born many Christian fellowships. And you remember those cities, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they were chased out of Antioch of Pisidia chased out of, threatened with death at Iconium. Yes, Christians threatened with death, still happening today. And Paul was literally stoned to death at Lystra. Now, my question would be if Paul would have said this out loud, and you desire to go back to those towns? What's the matter with you? And that's why I believe it was the Holy Spirit who gave Paul that desire. You see, no one in their right mind would want to go back through those cities. But Paul wasn't concerned about his physical safety. He was deeply concerned about the welfare of the brethren. Notice, the welfare of the brethren. How do I know that Paul was deeply concerned? And this is where I encourage you every single week, you need to read from Genesis to Revelation. Genesis to Revelation to get the whole counsel of God. Because we, as we read the whole word of God, we find this in his letter to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight 28 says, Paul writing, 
to the churches at Corinth, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. You see, Paul had a relationship with God. Paul had a relationship with Jesus. Paul had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And Paul had a relationship with many people in that known area. You can say, you can look at his letter to the Romans. Look at chapter 16. All the people listed, he had relationships. And so Paul had a deep concern for his brethren, those people that were saints, who were Christians. And he wanted them to grow up in the ways of the Lord. So Paul goes to his traveling buddy, Barnabas, and says, let's go on another missionary journey, Barnabas. And Barnabas is in total agreement about revisiting those cities and makes a suggestion in our next verse, verse 37. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, or often called John Mark. Well, let's take my nephew, John Mark. Well, let's see what happens in verses 37 and 38. I mean, 38 and 39. Then Paul insisted, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. 38, you know, this just really upset Paul. This is, this is the guy who bailed on us at Pamphylia, and you want to take him with us on another road trip, Barnabas? I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure they had a very strong conversation. And Paul said, no way. No way, Barnabas. No way. And as we read the text, it appears that John Mark, who was originally from Jerusalem, must have been hanging around the ministry in Antioch, and Paul had a watchful eye on him taking a good hard look at his abilities, physical as well as spiritual abilities. Because once his name was put on the table for consideration, Paul had an immediate response that Barnabas was probably not expecting. Maybe he was, but probably not. No way. He's not going with us. And so again, verses 39 and 40, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. You see, Barnabas Barnabas didn't back down and insisted that John Mark go with them. Being the encourager that Barnabas was, he saw something in John Mark that caused him to believe that he needed a second chance. And maybe that might even speak to one of you listening right now. And maybe it's not a second chance. Maybe it's the 10th or the 20th or the 100th time. God's done with me. He can't use me. And I want to declare to you via the word of God that's a lie from the pit of hell. If you repent, God can use you. If you turn from that sin... If you desire to be used of God, God can and will use you, but it's you that you're limiting yourself. You've put your spiritual gifts on the shelf. Maybe you're not attending a church. Maybe you think you lost your salvation, but you have conviction in your heart, which just shows me and proves to me, if I was to have a personal conversation with you, that you're saved. You're convicted. You, You want to be used by God, but you're putting yourself out of the race. Don't do that. Get back in the race. God wants you and God's desires to use you. 
Paul, on the other hand, felt totally different and didn't want any part of having John Mark on the ministry team. They were both set in their positions that they decided to depart and minister separately. They were both so set in their positions. Take this to heart. If you have a camera, you might want to take a picture of these slides. They were both so set in their positions that they decided to part and minister separately. You see, Barnabas took John Mark and went to his homeland of Cyprus, where they had first ministered years before. Barnabas will not be heard from again in the book of Acts. The focus is going to be on Paul and his life of ministry. You see, Paul, as we just read, took Silas and headed off on this, his second missionary journey. And I love how the Word of God gives us the true picture of people and their lives. Think about that. The Bible gives us the true picture of people and their lives. It doesn't sugarcoat people. These two disciples of the Lord had a different opinion about a certain situation. And it appears that they even left one another with dissension or division. We don't know for sure, but here are some things that we do know for sure. Listen to these things that we know for sure. The second missionary journey takes place in the early 50s. Paul makes a positive reference about Barnabas in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, which was written in the mid-50s. So they departed from each other in the early 50s. Paul makes reference about Barnabas in the mid-50s in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul makes mention of John Mark in Colossians and Philemon, which were written in the early 60s, again, the original 60s, and as we noted a few studies ago, Paul says of John Mark in 2 Timothy, which was written in the mid-60s, that Mark was profitable to him. Think about that. What I see happening in these verses is a real-life opportunity for growth in the lives of both Paul and Barnabas. And even though the centuries have come and gone, we are no different than these men. We all have opinions, and sometimes strong opinions about certain things. Currently, it's COVID-19. We all have opinions, and sometimes very strong opinions about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. But let's make it practical. You see, in our marriage, for example, Clyde and I are going to be celebrating 39 years in a few weeks. And over those 39 years, we've gone through some very difficult situations in which our opinions, Claudia would be over here and I would be over here, we were miles apart in our opinions about how we should handle the situation. Did it bring division and dissension into our marriage? momentarily absolutely we're humans we all have emotions and so i want to encourage you that doesn't mean you separate get divorced no it means you go to god because you have an opinion and what we learned over the years is that it really doesn't matter what either one of our opinions are 
What really matters is what God's opinion is about the situation. I want to leave that slide up there for a moment. Take a picture of it. Think about that. Because we value our opinion and we value it so much that we will have arguments. You see, where do arguments come from? Well, my opinion is more important than your opinion. And that's why we have arguments. It's that basic. It's that simple. So how do we get past that? Well, for Claudia and I, over the years, we've learned to go to the Word of God. My opinion is over here. Claudia's opinion over here. Separately, individually, we have our private devotional time. We ask God, God, in your Word, what is your opinion about this situation? And there is an opinion about every situation in the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will show you. And then we continued to pray together as a couple. We just didn't pray about that situation because we had our opinions. And so we continued to pray together as a marital couple, knowing that this could cause division, this could cause dissension, and we didn't want that. So we had to be mature enough to go, okay, that's my opinion. I'm not going to bring it up in prayer. I'm not going to bring it up to you. But we're going to pray together about all those other things that we normally pray about. But we prayed separately, Lord, change my opinion. Show me in your word what your opinion is about this. And as the Holy Spirit did that, as we allowed the Holy Spirit to do that, we went from far right, far left to coming back together again. And sometimes it took us seven to 10 days. This is just reality. We're both stubborn. Not like any of you out there, but we're both stubborn. And so it took that time to come back together. But then we were united again, not because she came over to mine or he, you know, I went over to her opinion, No, it's because we got into God's word and God's opinion is God's opinion. And we realized, well, I was wrong. I realized that. And Claudia realized, well, I was wrong. And now, okay, now we see. Now we're together. And so it's very, very important. I want to bring up some things here that you and I deal with spiritual warfare. And did Paul and Barnabas know about spiritual warfare? Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Here are some points. The enemy comes in and tries to deceive us But if we allow God to have his way in our lives, the Holy Spirit will come in and deliver us. Isaiah 55, 8 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Very important. As we leave the slide up there, I'm going to read this again. The enemy comes in and tries to deceive us. How does that work? I have my opinion. You have your opinion. My opinion is better than your opinion. So let's argue. Well, no, maybe I need to humble myself. Maybe I need to say, you know what? I, I'm not sure my opinion's based on the word of God. It's just my opinion. Well, that's a good clue that it might be wrong. But if we would allow God to have his way in our lives, the Holy Spirit will come in and deliver us, deliver us from our own opinion, and we'll be humble enough to admit we're wrong, that, that I was wrong and I need to make a change. And your life will start to transform. The next item The enemy comes in and tries to discourage us. But if we allow God to have his way in our lives, the Holy Spirit will come in and bring delight. Psalm 37, 4 says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Very important there. Discouragement. Many of us are discouraged in these days we're living in. But as we just stay in the word and stay in prayer, he's going to bring about that delight 
that desire to be with other believers, to be with other Christians. In his good timing right now, it's, it's been safe and it's been good. We've, we're seeing good results of what's taking place. It's going to change. It's going to transform. We're going to be seeing each other again. So just stay focused on the Lord. Another item, the enemy comes in and tries to bring division between us. But if we allow God to have his way in our lives, the Holy Spirit will bring us to that place of dependency upon God, which will breed unity. Again, in our marriage, we may have been divided, but when we became dependent on the word, we became united. Dependency upon the word. Romans 15 says this, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another. How do we become like-minded? By making the Bible the focus of your life. If you're single, the focus of your life and other people around you. If you're married, the Bible should be the focus of your marriage. You have family, the Bible should be the focus of your family. Keep the Bible the focus and you will be like-minded towards one another according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that. Not glorifying my opinion. See, I was right. No, glorifying God because we've been to his word, we've been in prayer, we've been humble enough to find out what we're doing wrong and saying, you know what, God, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. And maybe going to somebody else and saying, you know what, I was wrong, I'm sorry. This is what I learned in the Bible. This is what the Holy Spirit's taught me through prayer. I'm wrong. I'm so sorry. This is what the Bible says we should do. Next item, the enemy comes in and tries to destroy us But if we allow God to have his way in our lives, the Holy Spirit will come and bring development. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Very interesting verse. Do do some back study on that verse. We don't have time this morning. But it was said during a a time of great tribulation and turmoil. You see, Paul and Barnabas could have allowed this situation to bring destruction into their lives. So now let's apply those thoughts back to the Word of God, Acts 15, to discourage them in the ways of the Lord, to deceive them about their relationship with one another, to bring division between their ministries. And this happens even to this day. People will leave a church, and when they leave the church, they'll go down the street, and they'll talk bad about the church they came out of. No, that's, that's not Christianity. That's not the word of God. They didn't. They remained focused on the calling in each of their own lives and pressed on in their service to the Lord. How do I know that? I already made reference to it in the other letters that Paul wrote. He mentions Barnabas. He mentions John Mark. They stayed focused on their ministries that God had called them to, even though they were separate ministries. They didn't bash each other. They didn't pick on each other. They didn't put each other down. They just went in separate directions and were used of God. I greatly encourage you to do the same. You see, as we have seen through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit didn't work in all of their lives, and they remained strong and united friends. And this can happen to us if we allow the Holy Spirit to help us mature in our lives each and every day, maybe you've left the church because the church is something wrong with, to you, in your opinion, in your estimation. I would ask you a question. Did you go back and try to address that? 
Probably not. Probably not. You just left. And now they're the bad guys. And maybe they did do something wrong. Maybe they, they did make a mistake. Uh, did you go back and offer them a biblical correction and a chance to repent and, and evaluate that and maybe say that they were sorry? Oftentimes that doesn't take place. We just leave. And then we leave church altogether. I don't need church. They're full of hypocrites. Well, you need to get over it because you're one too. You're one. I guarantee if I spoke to you long enough, I could find something out about you that makes you a hypocrite. That's just reality. You need to get back in church. You need to get back in fellowship. You need to forgive those who hurt you. Family members, religion, whatever the case may be, you just need to forgive and get back into fellowship. If you're married or if you believe that you're going to be married one day, you can actually become best friends in your marriage. Let me say that again. You can actually become best friends in your marriage because right now, Unfortunately, over the last few months, statistics are showing that divorce is going up. This togetherness is causing extreme stress. Opinions are flaring. Things are coming to the surface that were hidden because of work and recreation and running the kids all around and doing this and doing that. We're so busy, we just avoided what we can't avoid any longer. You don't need to avoid it. You need to allow God to heal it through his word, through prayer, maybe receiving Jesus as your savior. Maybe you're there this morning and, and you don't think your marriage can be saved. Your marriage can be saved. The word of God will save your marriage via a personal relationship with God via Jesus. But you have to receive Jesus as your savior to make that happen. Because you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's not possible. You might be Christians going, well, that's, not, that's impossible. But if you apply these basic truths into your life, it will happen. Well, how do I know that? How can I be so sure of that? Well, 1 John 4, 4. Again, we just want to go back to the word of God. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in, the, is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Now, I'm not encouraging you to stay in any relationship where there's abuse. And I mean literally abuse. We throw that a word around, you know, somebody raise their voice. Oh, they're abusing me. That's not abuse. But where there might be physical abuse or mental abuse or emotional abuse or spiritual abuse, where it's literally abuse, separate. The Bible says you can separate. Seek counsel. Seek restoration. Try to bring that back together. The Bible also says, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men or with mankind. And if that person does not want peace... At any cost. No, they've just dug in their heels and no, this is the way it is. Well, then, then maybe you need to take it to the next step. But make sure you do everything through the word of God, through prayer, through Christian counsel. Seek out Christian counsel. Very important. Well, I'd like to throw up a slide because some of you may have been taking notes or trying to get those pictures. And this slide here talks about those, those four things that I mentioned and gives you the correlating scripture. Deceive, deliverer, Discourage, delight, division, dependency, destroy, development. Encourage you to take those, write those down, take a picture of it. As we press on here in Acts, verse 41, and they went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So, on this journey, Paul begins by taking a land route and ministering to those churches that he ministered to just a few years before in Syria. 
He then heads northwest through the area of Cilicia, reassuring the church about the grace of God. Verse 1, then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He came to Derby in his first missionary journey with Barnabas. This was the last city, the last city that they visited before they turned around and headed back towards home to Antioch. And as far as we know, it was a peaceful city towards the gospel. Nothing negative was said about that city in that first missionary journey. He then continued west and went to Lystra, which was the city in which when the, they first came, Paul and Barnabas came, they thought they were gods, little g, because they worshiped little gods, just like we do in America, just like they do around the world, little g's, gods. They thought the gods had come down amongst them in the likeness of Paul and Barnabas, and they elevated them to, to godhood, which Paul and Barnabas refused to accept, and the people stopped at their command. But then they took them out and literally, Paul specifically, and physically stoned him to death at Lystra. Kind of crazy. So in Lystra that we're looking at here, we find something very interesting is going to take place. There was a young man there who had accepted the gospel. And he had not just accepted the gospel, but became one of the disciples of that church. In 2 Timothy 1.5, we read this. 2 Timothy 1.5, very important. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Now, this is Paul's last letter, 2 Timothy 1.5. It's Paul's last letter. And notice, genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. Notice the wonderful history that Paul displays in the word of God here. His final letter written to Timothy a younger pastor. Notice the heritage that we have as fathers, as mothers, as grandparents to pass on to the children and the grandchildren. And I am persuaded is also is in you also. We know, as we just read, that Timothy's mother was a Jew and his father was a Gentile. You'll want to remember that as the story unfolds a couple weeks from now. But faith has taken root in the life of Timothy, possibly during Paul's first missionary journey. We don't know. But now a few years later, Timothy is being used by God, and Paul makes notice of verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Word travels. He was well reported of. He was well spoken of. That means, what does that mean? Now think bigger picture, especially for you that are not in fellowship. You're believers and you just don't, you think, well, I don't need to go to church. Well, he was in fellowship. How could he be well spoken of or well reported of if he was not in fellowship? He was not a part of the church. No, he was hanging around the church and he was intimately involved in other people's lives. He was active in the ministry and growing in the Lord. You see, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to take notice of Timothy, so he started to ask questions about him. And the brethren had only good things to say about Timothy. They could see fruit in his life, and his life was a good example to the church. Notice this here. For you that don't believe you need to come to church, you do. You're a member of the body of Christ. Read your Bible. 
Every member is important to the body of Christ. But they could see fruit in his life, and his life was a good example to the church. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 35. Let's look at a Christian principle. A Christian principle. This is Jesus speaking. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Notice that. You know, you don't go to an apple tree and say, oh, that's an orange tree. Uh, You don't go to a, a grapefruit tree and say, oh, that's an apple tree. No, you identify the tree by the fruit. It's very simple, very obvious. So Jesus, as every rabbi does, uses a physical analogy to teach a spiritual principle. What's the spiritual principle? Brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Notice that, out of the abundance of the heart. Out of the, and the heart in the scriptures, most of the time, means the soul. That inner man, your inner personality. What you speak shows what's going on on the inside. It, it, it gives people evidence of what is taking place in your heart. Is your heart evil and full of evil desires and passions? Well, then evil's going to come out of your mouth. Do you have good passions, good desires? Then good's going to come out of your mouth. How do you treat one another? How do you treat your coworkers? Uh, how do you treat your children? How do your children treat your parents? How do you treat your siblings? How do you treat one another, your friends, your, your coworkers? That's what means out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of your personality. You may be one way around your friends and you're a different way around other people. You're a hypocrite. It's the bottom line, you're a hypocrite. And you have evil coming out. But Jesus goes on to say in verse 35, a good man or a person, male or female, out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Notice what that says there. Good treasure, evil treasure. How can I make sure that what's coming out is good treasure? By being in the word of God. And the word of God will show me. And we're going to get to some verses specifically about that. You see, as believers, we're called to be fruit investigators. Fruit inspectors, sorry. We're called to be fruit inspectors, not salvation investigators. Very important. Because you'll hear people walk around going, well, they're not saved. Look at how they live. That's not for me to determine their salvation. That's between God and them. You see, salvation is ultimately between God and that individual. But we should be able to see differences taking place in the believer's life that gives us evidence of a life being transformed. As we leave that slide up there, that is the key to the next verses that we're going to go over as we wrap up our study. You as a believer should have a transformed life. If you say that you're a believer but you treat others unbiblically, then you need to, first of all, evaluate your salvation. Are you really saved? Did I make a head commitment or did I make a heart commitment? Secondly, if after that evaluation, now you need to say, well, am I desiring to become more like Jesus or am I just want to be more like myself? My opinion means more than anybody else's opinion. You could be saved and have that opinion. Absolutely. You could be a selfish Christian. Absolutely. You're not going to grow. You're not going to mature. You're not going to become more like Jesus. You could dig in your heels and do that. 
And others are going to see that. As you play that game, eventually it's going to come out and others are going to see it. And true Bible-believing Christians are going to rebuke you or they're not going to want to hang around you because evil communication corrupts good manners, the Bible says. They don't want that influence. And that might be why you don't have a lot of friends because you're the problem. You take yourself with you wherever you go. So just repent. Again, just repent and be right with Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life. Well, let's look at some verses. Ephesians chapter 4. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's see what the Word of God has to say about a transformed life. Ephesians 4.20 says, But you have not so learned Christ. You have not so learned about Jesus. How did Jesus walk? If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Notice that. The truth is in Jesus. Your opinion, it doesn't matter a whole lot. The truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning your former conduct. Now this idea of putting off and putting on, we're going to see this in these verses. You want to get that picture, that mental picture of like putting on a coat and then taking the coat off. You put on an outer garment and then you take that outer garment off. So that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. You got to take that sinful nature, and that was one of the songs that we sang this morning, take that sinful nature off, set it aside. It's still there. We're never going to be sinless until we die, but we should be sinning less. Because we're growing into the man Christ Jesus. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on that new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we put on what? The word of God. We put on that new creation that 1 Corinthians 15 talks about. Becoming more like Jesus. Notice in true righteousness and holiness. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, 12 through 14. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. The day of what? The day of our death or the day of the Lord's return? We don't know. Maybe we're going to die. Some of us are going to die today. A lot of people are going to die today. That's the day of the Lord's return. Jesus coming back at a specific time for the rapture believe that's getting very close. So the night is far spent. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light, walking in the light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Notice what Paul is writing to the Christians. He's not writing to the unbelievers. He's writing to the church, or church is, in Rome. Put, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So make no provision. Don't give your flesh those, those fleshly desires. Don't feed them. Because as soon as you feed them, you're going to start a fire and it's just going to go, 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 and it's going to burn something down. No, allow the Holy Spirit to keep that flesh in check. And we'll wrap it up in Colossians chapter 3, 8 through 17. A lot of verses, 
But so, so much practical application here. Colossians 3, 8 through 17. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Again, notice this. Put off all these. We have a responsibility as believers. Put it off. Lay it aside. And these verses helped me very specifically. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. You know, I used to swear a lot, use the F word, all those things. I came across this verse like, oh, thank you, God. I need to put that off. I need to be saying praise God instead of God damn it. I need to say thank you, God, for my life. Why would I want to damn anything? Why would I want you to damn anything? That doesn't make any sense. But when you're raised in the world, you just naturally say it. Everybody else is saying it, so why shouldn't I say it? My friends are all saying it, so why shouldn't I use the F word? Well, you want to grow up. You want to mature and say, you know what? I don't need to say that because I know what it really means, and, and that's not very nice, so I'm not going to say that anymore via the Holy Spirit. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Notice that. Stop lying and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and in all. Christ is all and in all. Therefore, because of these things, as the music team comes up, therefore is the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. So again, get that image of putting on. I have a responsibility. I need to put on what? Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength in humility. Strength in humility. I'm humble enough to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Notice that. Long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Notice that, forgiveness, believer. This is written to believers. The church is in Colossae, not to the unbeliever. But above all these, put on. You see this again? What we're to do. Well, when they do it, I'll do it. Wrong. No, you lead by example. You put on love. And if they don't want nothing to do with it, then obviously you separate yourself from them. You put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. This is so crucial in these days we're living in. Republicans against Democrats, blacks against whites, male against female, rich against poor. All of this division that the enemy is trying to bring into our lives. It's not to be. We as believers, whatever state we find ourselves in, we are to be promoting unity because Jesus, because of Jesus. Not because of what one politician says or, or, or this or that. No, because we love Jesus. And as we do that, we're going to have the peace of God will rule in our hearts. To which also you are called in one body and be thankful. How can I be thankful about this situation? Don't worry, if you pray, God's going to show you what to be thankful for. Again, here's really important verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Key verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, 
Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Very important. So as we continue down this road with this uh, virus that's taking place, which is not new, by the way. This circumstance is not new. It's new to most of us living, but it's not new as far as the centuries have come and gone. And now we have to learn how to deal with it. Well, how do we deal with it? By getting into the word of God, by having love for one another, showing grace, not necessarily judging each other harshly. Well, you shouldn't have services and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and everybody needs to do this. Let's just go back to the word of God and whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's love one another and respect each other. Even as you come back to church, if you want to wear a mask, you wear a mask. You're not going to be judged harshly. Um, we've had this discussion, Claudia and I, over the last month or so, and, and I've mentioned it to you often from the pulpit. This is not about faith. This is not about faith. Coming back to church is not about faith. Don't let the enemy get that into your head because it's not about faith. It's about common sense. In Arizona, you may be watching from somewhere, but in Arizona, of the deaths that have taken place as of last Friday, I believe it was uh, 320 deaths, 290 of those deaths had happened to people who were 55 years or older. 90% of the deaths in Arizona were people 55 years and older. So you want to use some common sense if you're in that age group and you're praying and the Holy Spirit's saying, no, stay at home. Stay at home. There's no judgment from us. That's ridiculous. God loves you. God loves us. Just do what God's calling you to do. If he says, no, it's okay to go to church, then come to church. And don't judge anybody else. If they're wearing a mask, they're wearing a mask. It has nothing to do with their lack of faith. It's what God has called them to do to safeguard their lives. Respect that. Honor that. Love them. You know, if somebody comes in and and they want to have a distance, then respect that. If they want a fist bump, respect that. If they don't, respect that. That's how we get along with one another, just by respecting each other. So as we come back together, we want to remember that. My faith isn't stronger than your faith, so I'm going to do whatever I want to do. No, that's, that's immaturity. And we need to look at each other and love each other. And, and you know what I do when I see somebody? I, I just go, what are we doing? I just make light of it so that people, are, are, we, are we doing a fist bump, a handshake, an elbow? What are we doing? Nothing at all. It lightens the, the, the moment and everybody goes, well, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Or they stick their hand out or give me a hug. And I'm like, okay, no problem. You determine what God has asked you to do and then just do it. And we will respect you for that. You know, maybe as an unbeliever, you're here this morning and you need Jesus as your savior. I'm going to pray a short prayer. I encourage you to pray this. You've hung in here this long. Make that last step. Pray this prayer to see Jesus as your savior so that you can have a living hope and the peace that surpasses understanding. Just pray this prayer. God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I desire to have a living hope. So I invite you, Father, I invite your Son into my life. I repent. I turn to you, acknowledging my sin, and I ask for your Holy Spirit to come into my life. Not sure what that means, but I trust you're going to show me. Lead me, Father, to a Bible-believing church. Help me to study your word, not out of duty or debt, 
but now out of a relationship. Help me to study that I might really learn about you, who you are, how much you love me and care for me. And God, I thank you that I can now call you Father. My Father, who's in heaven, holy is your name. Thank you, Father, for accepting me. Help me to grow. Help me to put off through your Holy Spirit these things that I don't desire to do. And as I ask, I know you will meet me and you will give me the ability through the Holy Spirit to lay those things down. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. And until then, just go onto our website for information. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.